All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, our last lesson in this series that we've been going over on uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And I hope and pray it's been a blessing to you and a help to you in your life. And uh, I know personally that I have very much so enjoyed uh, going through the fruit of the Spirit and looking at each and every one. And uh, it has certainly been a blessing and a help to me. And uh, we'll take our text again in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And uh, then we'll look at one other verse. The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 5 and verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now look with me back in verse number 16. The Bible says, This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The title of this uh, the Sunday school lesson is It's Time. Uh, it's time. We've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and, uh, and certainly it is time to walk in the Spirit. And he says that in our verse 16 that we looked at. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with with the Spirit. And, uh, and we've looked at that before, and I've mentioned before that the idea of being filled with the Spirit is not how much of the Spirit do you have, but how much does the Spirit have of you. Uh, and I know that that's been mentioned, but it's fair to mention it over and again, uh, because we look at that and we think, well, uh, am I, we look at our life like a glass. Am I half full of the Spirit or am I only a quarter? Uh, am I, uh, you know, three quarters full? Well, you have all of the Spirit that you are going to get. Uh, there is no more Spirit that you are going to receive. The Holy Spirit dwells within you if you are born again and you are saved. The question becomes, how much of the Spirit, or how much of you, does the Spirit have access to? Do you lock Him in a little box within your heart and say, okay, you can, uh, you can stay here, you can reside here, but I don't want you to occupy my thoughts and to control my thoughts. Do you lock him in your box and say, well, you can stay here, but I don't want you to control my tongue, and I don't want you to have the dominion over my tongue and what comes out of my mouth. You can, you can stay here, but I don't want you to have control over my hands and over my eyes and over my feet, where we ought to surrender ourselves completely to God and say, God, I am 100% yours. That ought to be our desire. Uh, and to be surrendered to the Spirit. And that, I submit to you, is walking in the Spirit. Uh, before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer, and, uh, and we'll get into our lesson this morning. And Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the word that we can study, that we can look at. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart. And God, may we be uh, 100% uh, completely surrendered to you to live our life, Father, as you would have us to live, to, uh, to surrender our thoughts, to surrender our words, to surrender our actions, to surrender uh, our entire being, Father, to you. And God, that, that you would have control of our life. And Father, we'll thank you for that and we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
while thinking about that thought of being surrendered to God, I'll never forget, I was uh, in a church up in Michigan, my wife's home church, really, in Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, and, uh, and it, during one of the services, uh, they, 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 they had been preaching, and, and after the service, uh, the pastor said, where's that offering plate? And, uh, and, and some of the guys knew what he was talking about. He said, I want you to go get that offering plate. So two or three guys went and, uh, and went in the back room and, and they finally found it. And I'm thinking an offering plate, you know, I mean, it's not that big. Why do you got to send three guys to go get an offering plate? And it wasn't long before they come uh, wheeling out a, an offering plate that was five foot high. Looked just like an offering plate. It was not made of metal. It was made of wood, but uh, looked just like a, a, the offering plate. And they wheeled it out in the front of the church and they, and they, they plopped it down there in, in front of the altar. And they said, this is not for money. This is for you to come stand and put yourself in the offering plate of God's service. And, uh, and offer yourself in complete service to God. That's really what the Holy Spirit desires in our life. And you know what the problem with, with a living sacrifice, I've heard this say, the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, it says. They said, you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is, uh, is this, if you put a living sacrifice on the altar, within an hour, it might wander off. Within two days, it might wander off. You see, if you, if you take, in, in the Old Testament, the sacrifices that they would do, you know, they would kill that lamb and they'd put it on the altar. That lamb's not going anywhere. There's no way it's going to get up and move. But, but the Bible doesn't want us as dead uh, being, being offered to, to the Lord. The Bible requires us to be living and be offered to God. That's a little bit harder because you've got to keep presenting yourself and keep saying, you know, God, I want to be used of you, and I want to be presented to you. And so as we look at this idea of walking in the Spirit, it is time, we've looked at all the fruit of the Spirit, and it's time that we, uh, that we put all of that into practice. Uh, once a man bought a quaint house with a small yet sturdy tree in the backyard. And it was winter, and nothing marked this tree as different from any other. And when spring came, the tree began to grow in leaves and tiny pink buds. Uh, how wonderful, he thought, as he looked at that tree. He said, man, I, I own a tree with exquisite pink flowers, and I'm going to enjoy its beauty all summer long. It was beautiful. And uh, before he had time to even enjoy the beauty of the tree, the wind began to blow, and soon all the petals blew off the tree. They were scattered all, all around his yard, and he thought, man, what a mess that tree made in my yard. And all those petals are gone. And he thought to himself, this tree isn't any use of all, at all. I mean, the petals were beautiful, but they didn't last at all. And, uh, and then the summer passed, and, and one day the man noticed that it was starting to produce green, size, uh, green fruit uh, the size of large nuts. And he cautiously picked one and, and took a bite. And yuck, he thought, man, that was, that was gross. And he thought to himself, this tree is absolutely worthless. He said, come wintertime, I'm going to cut this thing down and, and get rid of it. The flowers don't last, the fruit is no good on it, and, uh, and it's of no value to me. And finally, uh, the tree took no notice 
of the man and continued to draw warmth from the sun and water from the ground. And when late fall came, the tree began to produce crisp red apples. And this tree did not produce fruit in the beginning stages of its existence because it had to first endure a growing process. And then the time, when the time was right, the tree produced its fruit. We as Christians are meant to produce fruit. God expects us to produce fruit. Uh, and we can only produce the right type of fruit if we grow through the Holy Spirit and decide to walk in Him once we have gleaned from the warmth of the Savior and the living water of the Holy Spirit, we can produce fruit. And now it's time. We need to look at our lives and say, hey, it's time that we start walking in the fruit of the Spirit or in the, in the Spirit and producing fruit of the Spirit. And it may come as a flower and it may come as a, uh, a small green fruit that, that might not look very appetizing at first. But the more and more that you allow the sunshine of God's grace in your life and the water of the Word of God in your life, uh, the more and more that that fruit will grow and produce and become ripe and will become something that is, uh, that is sufficient for other people. And so we need to produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's time. Uh, it's a time for rejoicing. You know, the Bible says in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. When you realize what salvation provides for you, Man, what a blessing it is. I was preaching, oh, it was a couple Sunday nights ago through the, we're going through the book of Romans, and, and I, I mentioned this, that when, when you bought your first car, you probably didn't understand everything that you got when you got that car. Uh, you probably didn't understand the intricacies of how everything worked. You probably, uh, did, all you knew was, man, does it have a radio? Does the air conditioning work? And, uh, and is it a rust bucket? Because I don't want a rust bucket. You know, that's probably, and does it start and run, obviously, you know. Uh, and so that's kind of what you may have looked at, but you didn't realize everything that you received in that car. And some things may have been uh, a great blessing to you. And, uh, and you might have realized later, Wow, this thing gets really great gas mileage. Uh, or wow, this thing really uh, doesn't need a whole lot of maintenance. It just goes and it's a really good car and, and it turned out really good for you. And uh, sometimes the opposite takes place when you buy a car, okay? You find out, well, it's not what you thought it was. But, uh, uh, but the good experiences are there as well. And, and when you got saved, you probably didn't realize all of the things that you received at the time of salvation. Matter of fact, I'd venture to guess uh, that that's true for everyone. Uh, you just simply didn't understand it. I heard a preacher just this week, he said this, he said, he said, when I got saved, he said, I didn't know. He said, you know what, I knew, what the one thing I did know, he said, is I didn't want to go to hell. That's what I knew. He said, and I got saved because I knew my life was headed in that direction and I needed to be saved and I needed to be born again. So he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, his own personal Savior. And throughout time, as he grew to understand the word of God and as he read his Bible, he started learning, wow, not only am I not going to hell, but, but listen, the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And not only does the Holy Spirit dwell within me, but uh, listen, he'll produce that joy and that peace and that long suffering and that uh, all those things that are in my life and when you got saved you might not have realized the joy that would come with it or the peace or the comfort that would come uh, from the word of God 
And, and what I'm saying is, listen, we can rejoice in the salvation that we have because really, truly, salvation is the greatest gift that you will ever receive in your life. There's nothing better than it. Uh, and that's true. The, you know, sometimes, sometimes we get down. Sometimes we start to think about the, the circumstances and we get tired and we get wore out and we're, we're tempted and we're prone to be discouraged or uh, frustrated. And, and I tell you what, the other day I was, uh, I was, I don't know, I was a little bit discouraged and, and stuff. And, and, and it was like the Lord said, listen, buddy, you're heading to heaven. That's better than 90, well, maybe not 90, 80 percent of the people in the world. And, and I thought, yeah. You know what, I really don't have a reason to be down. I really don't have a reason. Yeah, things might not go like I want, or things might not turn out how I would expect, or uh, I might think, you know, something different. But the bottom line is, hey, when I die, I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord for that. And there's, there's a reason to rejoice in our salvation. Not only a, a reason to rejoice in our salvation, uh, but it's a time for rejoicing uh, in our security of our salvation as well. Uh, man, praise the Lord that uh, once you get saved, you are always saved. And uh, I heard a, 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 a barber, he, uh, he had run his barber shop for years and, and, uh, and uh, he had passed away. And so his wife kind of took over his barber shop. And this was in the day when, you know, you'd go and, and, and you'd go to the barber and they, they'd shave your, rate, shave your face too. And, uh, and so uh, she was there, and, and she said, I promise you this, that uh, you'll get the best shave you can ever get. And, and uh, he said, well, okay. And so, so he paid for it and got his, got his shave, and, and, and he came back. He said, that's amazing. He said, I, have, I still haven't. This is a week later. I, I still don't need a say, shave. And, uh, and, and she said, well, my husband always used to say, once shaved, always shaved. It's a Christian man, but I don't think she quite got it right. But, uh, but, but the idea is there that, hey, when we, get, when we get saved, we're always saved. You can't lose your salvation. If you, can't, if you can't work to earn your salvation, there is no amount of works that you can do to keep yourself saved. It's just not possible. It's not logical. And... Um, this is an interesting story. Uh, it talks about the, the Golden Gate Bridge when it was built. No safety devices were used during the initial construction on the Golden Gate Bridge. Could you imagine that? Be working up there with no safety devices. And as a result, 23 men fell to their deaths. For the final part of the project, however, a large net was installed to be used as a safety precaution. At least 10 men fell into it and were saved from certain death. Even more interesting is the fact that 25% more work was accomplished after the net was installed. Why? Because the men felt more secure to work and they were free to wholeheartedly serve the project. Listen, we're not serving uh, our Savior to earn or keep our salvation. We have freedom to serve the Lord in a capacity that, hey, we don't have to worry about losing our salvation. 
And that gives us freedom to be able to serve Him. Uh, we have security in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, In whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. And the Holy Spirit seals our salvation and He will not allow us to lose that salvation. And so what a time of rejoicing that we can have in the fact that we can walk in the Spirit and say, hey, you know what, I know I'm saved and I know for sure that I'm headed to heaven and I know for sure that the Holy Spirit seals that. Listen, that ought to change any bad day into a good day. Knowing for sure where you're going to spend eternity. Knowing for sure that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and that He's going to help you and strengthen you and comfort you and, and, and help you in your life. What an amazing, and it is a time uh, for rejoicing. And turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter number 3, and I'd like you to see this verse. Acts chapter number 3. verse number 19, I saw this verse, and what, a, what an incredible verse it is. It kind of jumped out. You know, sometimes you read through the Bible, and, and sometimes some verses jump out at you, and, and it's like, man, is that, is that new? I know I've read this Bible through several times, and, and, uh, and I, I just never saw that before. And sometimes verses tend to do that, and, and, uh, and they're real encouraging, real blessing to you. And Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 19 says this. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Not only is it a time for rejoicing uh, to walk in the Spirit, but it's a time for refreshing as well. And it says there, uh, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of of the Lord. The word refreshing simply means relief after fatigue or suffering or cooling. And uh, and what a what a joy to know that the Holy Spirit will refresh and revitalize and help and strengthen our life. And uh, when you walk in the Spirit, uh, we're going to face difficulties. There's no doubt about it. There will be times and there will be struggles in our life. Uh, and we, we do face opposition. I can promise you this, that the devil does not want you to walk in the Spirit. Uh, the devil would love nothing more, since he cannot take your salvation away, for you to be a nominal person that wouldn't, that's not really sold out to God, uh, and you're just kind of there, and you're just kind of bumping along in your life. He does not want you to be surrendered to the Spirit. He does not want you to walk in the Spirit. He does not want you to produce the fruit of the Spirit. He does not want you to influence those that are around you, and for those people to see the joy, the peace, and the, uh, all the fruit of the Spirit that are, that are coming forth in your life, because when they see that, uh, then they will be interested in Christianity. So the devil does not want that. And you can be sure to mark it down that uh, there will be those that will oppose our Christianity and oppose us walking in the Spirit. But I can tell you this, that the Bible says that there will be times of refreshing that will come from the Lord. 
And we're refreshed by the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John 14 and 16 and 17, John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, uh, is a wonderful promise. And the Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. What a blessing, those promises that God gave. And he said, listen, the Holy Spirit is with you even when you're feeling down, even in the darkest of days, even in the worst of circumstances. Listen, you can depend upon the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like the little boy that uh, he was afraid of the dark and his mom was trying to teach him not to be afraid of the dark. And he was heading down. uh, The basement was was dark and uh, it was one of those deals you had to go all the way down the stairs in the dark and, uh, and the, there was a pull string, you know, in the middle of the basement uh, that would turn that light on and, and, uh, and the boy was always scared to go down there and do that. And the broom was down there and, and his mom said, listen, uh, I want you to go down in the basement and, and get that broom. And he says, dark down there. And she said, listen, uh, we've talked about this. And you know what? The Lord is always with you and, and, uh, and, and he, he's always going to help you. And he'll help you in that darkness. And so the boy said, okay. And so he goes down to the, goes to the basement and he opens the door and he hollers down the stairs, hey, Jesus, can you pass me the broom? <laughs> kind of misunderstood exactly what his mom was saying. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we do feel overwhelmed, but listen, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. I'm amazed sometimes at some of the things I, you know, the, the, I've, I've, of course, heard, you know, testimony and talk, just talking with people as well. And, and, and sometimes it is amazing to watch somebody go through a very tough situation in their life and yet see the peace that God provides in their life. It's kind of amazing, to be honest with you. One of those testimonies is that of Horatio Spafford. And uh, Horatio Spafford lived a long time ago, and he had sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him on a ship. And, uh, and while it was in transit, it struck another ship, and it sank, and all four of his daughters had died. And his wife, when she arrived, she had sent a telegraph back to him. And, uh, and that telegram simply said, saved alone. That's it. So William, or Horatio Spafford knew his, his daughters had been lost and his wife was alive. And so he boarded the next ship to go over to where, they, where his wife was. And, and uh, in transit, he, uh, he asked the captain, he said, listen... When we cross by the place where, where my daughters passed away, he said, I want you to wake me up. He said, I want to know. He said, I want you to tell me where it was. He got up and he went out and as he, stand, as he was standing there, he penned these words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. We sing that song 
And what a phenomenal song it is, really. It is well with my soul. But when you know the story behind it, man, what an incredible tragedy that man suffered, losing all four of his daughters in the, in the ocean and, and then going by that same way and being able to say, it is well with my soul. You know what does that? The comfort of the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't do that. Alcohol doesn't do that. Drugs don't do that. The only thing that can give that kind of peace and the only thing that can give that kind of comfort is that of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, that knows your every heart's hurt and knows everything that takes place in your life. And what a, what a blessing as a Christian that we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and that we can have the comfort in the, in the darkest moment of our life. That we can say, it is well with my soul. What a great song. It's a time for refreshing because the Lord truly refreshes us during the hardest times of our life. And we can be refreshed by the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But listen, we can be refreshed by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 14, go with me there. I, I, we probably should have turned there earlier. John chapter number 14. In verse number 26, John 14 and John chapter 16 talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and, and, the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit that was promised that God would send uh, to us. And John chapter number 14 and verse number 26. The verses we read earlier were uh, verses 16 and 17. You can look up and see them that, uh, that the Lord will send us a comforter. But look down with me at verse number 26. He says this, But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Listen, we have the promise of the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, there's times when you, I know there's times in my life when I read the Word of God and, and there's things in there and I say, Lord, I, I don't quite understand that. And you know what? We have to depend upon God and the Spirit of God to help us understand. The Bible says in, in second or first or second Corinthians verse chapter number two, it talks about uh, the fact that this book is spiritually discerned, and the natural man receiveth not the things that are in the Word of God because they are spiritual, and he doesn't understand them. You can see that in many of the parables, many of the illustrations that Jesus gives as he would teach and he would expound, and 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 the people that he talked to would totally not understand, like Nicodemus in John chapter three. He said, ye must be born again. And Nicodemus is saying, well, how can a man be born when he is old? And, and, and of course, Jesus was talking about a spiritual birth. You can see it in John chapter 4 when Jesus meets the woman at the well and he's talking with her and he said, the water that I give thee, you'll never thirst again. And she was thinking physical water and she's thinking, man, I'd like to have some of that water. And uh, she's thinking, thinking physically and he's thinking spiritually. And many times there's things in the Bible that are just spiritual discerned and we need the Spirit of God to help us and listen he will guide us and he will direct us in accordance to the Word of God and he will help us and there's a refreshing to have a guide and a help that will give us the uh, direction and light that we need in this world listen the Holy Spirit does that through the, the Word of God 
And what a time of refreshing for us as we think about the Holy Spirit and what He does. It's a time of rejoicing, certainly in the salvation and the security that provides. But then it's a time of refreshing as the Holy Spirit would comfort our hearts and help us through some of the hardship and then uh, guide us as we uh, work our way through this life. Not only is it a time for rejoicing and a time for refreshing, but it's also a time for revival. Look with me in Galatians chapter number 6. Back at our text, just about where we were, Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. The Bible says in verses 6 and 7, It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint. Not. Revival is, is an awakening to God. Many people believe in God, but have very little personal experience with God in their life. In other words, they believe in God. Many uh, people believe in God, but they really don't know who God is, and they don't have much of a, a relationship. I've often said this, uh, and, and I'll differentiate with this, but, but many people in the world, and I'm talking about lost people, they, they believe in God, but they don't know who God is. And they don't have any idea, really, uh, of who God is. And they go through their life saying, well, I, I believe there is a God, and I believe uh, that, that God is out there, but they really don't know much about Him. They don't have any relationship with Him. And then even amongst Christians, I believe there's many Christians who are, are saved. I believe they're born again. They know God as their own personal Savior, but really they, they, have not, uh, they have not developed that relationship with God in such a way that, that other than the fact that they know they're not going to hell when they die, uh, they have not really grown closer to God or, or learned more about Him. That's not every Christian, obviously. I, I believe there's many Christians that have a very good, uh, good walk with the Lord and a good testimony with the Lord. But, uh, but we should have a good experience and a relationship with the Lord. And even as the preacher preached uh, during our revival services, he said, you know, during his lifetime, you know, his relationship with the Lord go up and then it go down and it go up and it go down. And, and we ought to have a, a good relationship with God and that it would draw us closer to him. And, and, uh, and we ought to maintain that. It's kind of like the offering plate and presenting our lives. And there's times we say, man, I want to make sure that I do whatever God wants me to do. And then there's other times where we kind of find ourselves outside of that offering plate saying, I... I guess I kind of wandered away from the Lord. I guess I kind of got away from uh, being surrendered to Him. And, and so it's a, a time for reviving. And as we look at these verses in Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7, 8, and 9, he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He goes on in verse 8. And says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life 
everlasting. Someone that once said that the beginning of revival is when people of God begin living in the power of an ungrieved, unquenched spirit. We ought to do that personal, on a personal level. That our relationship should grow in the Lord. And, and listen, if we're down here, that, that may we increase it. May we strive to increase it. And uh, I was talking to somebody earlier today. And, and listen, even if, our, even if our relationship with God is up here, there's still room to grow. There's still room to get closer to Him. I've never known uh, the Apostle Paul uh, was, I believe, one of the greatest apostles that lived. And, and, uh, and he said this, he said, those things that I wouldn't do, uh, those things I do, and those things that I want to do, those things I don't do. And, and so he struggled. But listen, he even said in Philippians, he said, he said, forgetting those things that are behind, I press toward the mark. He said, I want to grow in my life. And, and forgive me if, I, if, I'm, if I'm putting you down a little bit, but I put the Apostle Paul here and I put myself you know, down here, the rest of us, and I say, if he had room to grow, how much more room do we have to grow? How much more room do we have in our life to expand? And as we look at this passage, the Bible says that if we, if we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, we shall of the Spirit reap, uh, spiritual, or reap life everlasting. And listen, there's a lot of truth in the Word of God that, that if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap to the flesh. Found this, and it says, One grain of corn... One grain, you know what a grain of corn is on your plate when you dish out, when you, get a, when, you, when you have corn for lunch, not corn on the cob, just corn, and you scoop those out, just one of those little grains, if it were dried out and planted, would grow to be a stalk of corn. And there are approximately seven ears that grow from one stalk. On each ear of corn, there are approximately a thousand grains of corn. And so from that one grain of corn, if you think about it, will come not a thousand, but rather 7,000 more grains of corn from one grain that's planted, watered, and taken care of so that it would grow and produce more fruit. What I'm saying is, listen, if we need to plant and we need to uh, sow spiritually in our life so that we can produce manifold fruit. What fruit? The fruit of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, patience, meekness, temperance, and, and all of those that are listed there, uh, that we would grow them in our life. And if we'll, if we'll have a personal revival of planting in our life and watering those things with the Word of God and being submitted to God, uh, that, that, listen... Personally, we can experience revival in our life on a personal level. It's a personal decision to put God first in your life and say, God, I want to serve you. And he goes on in verse number 9, he says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. My daughter's not in here, so I'll use her as an illustration. She, uh, you know, you, you try and teach your kids things in their life. And so she was, uh, she's like, man, I, I can't get up in the morning, Dad. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, I said, do you have an alarm clock set? 
She's like, Dad, I have, I have alarms set to go off every, every two minutes for a half hour. I said, and they don't wake you up? She said, no, they just go off and go off, and I've heard them. I'm in my house, I'm awake, and I'm hearing like alarm, like drives me, I'm glad. Um, when all my kids are home, there's, there's alarms going off from like 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock in the morning. I mean, just constant alarms trying to get people out of bed. Because I told them when they got older, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not everyone's little personal wake-up call person, and I am not going to go to your door and wake you up and get you out of bed. Get yourself out of bed, because I'm not going to wake you up the rest of your life. You need to learn that. And, uh, and so she's working on that. And, and so she said, I got alarms going off. And, and, uh, and I said, listen, I said, take all those alarms, shut them all off. I said, set one alarm, one. And, uh, and so she did. She set one alarm. And, uh, and she slept past it. I woke her up. She's still in school, so we're, we're still working on this. And, uh, and, and, and the next day, she come in. Oh, we had to go somewhere. We, she had to get up really early. And, and so um, I said, I'll, I'll make sure you're up. And, uh, and she's like, I'm, I'm going to set 10 alarms. I said, you don't need to set 10 alarms. She said, Dad, I tried one alarm and it's not working. I said, how long did you try it? She said, for three days. I said, three days. I said, how long have you been using 15 alarms? Months. I know that. And it hasn't worked either, by the way. I said, you need to use it for longer than just three days. I said, and maybe you need to go to bed a little earlier. Maybe that will help you get out of bed in the morning. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, a lot of people, they think the idea is, well, I've tried this for three days. I've tried this for four days. I've tried this for five days. And I don't see results. Listen, the Bible would tell us here, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than what we will invest in it uh, for us to be able to see the results of something that takes place. Many times we are so impatient and we want something right now. And so we try something and we'll try something for a little bit. And, and after a little bit, we'll find, well, uh, that didn't work. And we will cross it off as, of our list and say, well, that was a failed thing. And it will not work and it does not work when we did not give it enough time to find out, oh, maybe it will work. And we do that even in Christianity, and we do that with the Word of God, and we say, well, I, I tried kindness, or I tried prayer, or I tried patience, or I tried church attendance, or I tried this, or I tried that, and it didn't work in my life. When the Bible would tell us that, listen, sometimes it takes time in our life, and he says here in this verse, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Sometimes it takes time in our life. And that revival will come and you say, well, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm going to church and I'm doing this and I just don't see it. And listen, I want to encourage you and I want to strengthen you. Just keep doing. Just be faithful to God and it will come. It's God's promise, not my promise. For we will reap in due season if we faint not, but we should not be weary in well-doing. And let me tell you something, sometimes you do get weary in well-doing. 
Sometimes you get tired of, of, of doing good and doing good and doing good and saying, I wonder where the fruit is. Where's the results? How come I'm not seeing uh, the goodness of God that's been promised? But listen, it will come. Sometimes it takes a little longer. If there's one thing I've learned in my Christian life is that God's timing is not our timing. We need to be patient and wait for Him. And there will come a time of revival. There will come a time of spiritual reaping. And there will come a time when we will see the fruit. And listen, just God that gives us this promise, can I say this? That there have been some people who have given their lives for the Gospel and died a martyr's death. And I wonder to myself, and I scratch my head and I think, they didn't necessarily see God's promise fulfilled here in this earth, but up in heaven... They did. And you might spend your whole life waiting on God. But I can assure you this, when you get to heaven, you will not be disappointed. Because not everything is going to come in our time. Not everything is going to come on our desire. But it is a, a time of reviving that the, the Holy Spirit will strengthen us. And we need personal revival. Not just personal revival, but also family revival. Listen, this is the adult Sunday school class that we're talking to. And it is up to us to lead our families in revival. And it's not going to happen just by accident. You know, no revival has ever just taken place spontaneously. It has taken place when people grab a hold of the Word of God and they say, you know what, I'm serious about following God with my life. And I'm serious about doing what God wants me to do. And I'm serious about living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. And then it starts to break out and revival starts to take place and it can happen in a family and we ought to, we ought to uh, lead our families in revival. And then church revival. One day, you know, Billy Sunday was a great revival preacher and a great uh, preacher in his day, preached many, many meetings. One day a lady approached Billy Sunday and asked, why do you keep having revivals when it doesn't last? Billy suddenly Billy Sunday wisely asked the lady, well, why do you keep taking baths? Because in reality, we just need the reviving of God in our lives on a regular basis. Sometimes we need that spiritual bath. Sometimes we need to just keep working at the things that God has given us to do. And, and God will provide and God will help and God will strengthen us. And listen, having the Spirit is a personal revival and living in that Spirit and being surrendered to that Spirit is, is a time of rejoicing. It's a time of refreshing that will help us through difficult days. But then it's a time of reviving when the Holy Spirit just gets a hold of your life and says, man, I'm glad that I'm a Christian. I'm glad that I'm living for the Lord. And we'll see fruit that will abound. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, and all the fruit that's listed there as a result of walking in the Spirit as we ought to. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you.
We thank you first and foremost for the Holy Spirit that you have given us, that indwells us, that lives within us, that helps us, strengthens us, that, that gives us the joy, Father of the Spirit. Gives us the refreshing and gives us the reviving so often times that we need. God, sometimes we do need encouragement. Sometimes we do need refreshing. Sometimes we do need guidance and revival even. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. Thank you that you strengthen us and that you help us. God, I pray that you'd help us to be revived, to be refreshed, and to rejoice in the many blessings that you've given us. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can help us as the Bible says, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. God will thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.